0: Salaam, Yoram. alaikum. Salam uh, Thank you very much for, for, for joining me on the podcast this week. Um, I think, interestingly, we just both realised that we're, we're currently both fasting as we're recording this in Ramadan and it's the last hour before Maghrib for both of us. So um, either this will make for a fantastic and amazing conversation or we'll both be a bit dead. I'm hoping the first... Um, but but let's see how it goes. But yeah, anyways, th- thank you for taking the time um, to do this. I know you're an incredibly busy guy and um, I also, I guess, uh, apologize a little bit because I feel like, um, especially when it comes to people who have converted to the faith and, and someone like yourself who's converted in kind of as spec- spectacular a manner as you have, it's one of those things that people always want to hear about and always want to talk about, but I do understand this is the first podcast you've done internationally. So I'll, I'll, I'll take it and say, well, this is the first time you've, you've covered it on a podcast platform. Um, to, uh, I guess to just get the ball rolling as, as an introduction, um, for our audience to yourself. Um, I'll probably hand over to you actually, because there's so many different ways I could introduce you, but, I think you know how, how would you introduce yourself to to the audience
1: uh well uh yeah well uh, my name is joram for Klaver as you uh, already mentioned uh and i used to be uh, a member of the dutch parliament uh, and i was a representative for the anti-islamic freedom party of geert Wildes. i was uh, even the spokesperson on the subject of islam uh, in parliament and i did it for uh, for many years and uh yeah when I, this is the brief uh, introduction so uh, summary, yeah, so to yeah. say, uh, and what I did was, uh, in the end, uh, uh, after I left uh, the party, because I left the party, uh, I I was still very anti-Islam back then, and what I did was uh, fulfilling a long-held desire, and I was writing an anti-Islam book, but during the writing, I came across so much information, was at odds with the things I usually. Uh, uh, brought to the audience in the Netherlands, and the, the things I spoke about in, uh, in in the Dutch parliament and on television and radio and all the other media channels uh, here. Um, so uh, I, I came across so much information that was, was at odds with the things I usually uh, mentioned uh, that I started uh, researching. Uh, everything again and um, I I wrote to several authorities on subjects of Islam, Judaism and Christianity because I'm I'm from a very uh, conservative Protestant background Uh, so my upbringing was in in, in that corner (laughs) Uh, and what I did was uh, trying to uh, figure out what what the truth was with a capital T so to say Mm -hmm. so of course I was very anti-Islam but I wanted to be a, a correct book so I didn't want to have any mistakes in it, and I had to had to be honest. So what I did was also trying to uh, catch the uh, the few of Muslims. So what I did was writing to some authorities, also Islamic authorities. And one of the persons I wrote to was uh, Sheikh Abdul Hakim Murad from Cambridge University, from UK. Uh, Tim Winter is uh, English name. Mm-hmm. And I didn't thought he was going to write me back because I put a little Wikipedia. Uh, link at the end of my email and I had some questions, but I didn't want to fool him, so to say. So uh, what I did was trying to be honest, uh, and I thought that he would never answer me because, of course, why should he answer an anti-Islamic politician from another country? Uh, but and it took a couple of weeks, and I think about six or seven weeks, and in the end, he, he sent me a very extensive answer very extensive because i i read it uh, on my uh, on my telephone well you can't see it because it's a podcast but uh, it was about uh, 16 17 pages mm. So it was very extensive, and what he did was trying to answer questions I asked him in the email: Why is this? Uh, why do you do this? Uh, what's the, the thought behind this and that? Uh, why is this dogma, etc. So that's what he did, and then at the same time he pointed to other scholars. He, he pointed out some books. He gave me titles, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And, and then what he said is well, I'm not going to convert you, obviously, because that was the first mail. Uh, he he uh, said to me, well, what you have to do is reread all your books all your anti-Islamic books, read them again. But if you read them, read these books next to your anti-Islamic books. So, and he said, well, you, then you can see where they take the wrong turn. He said, well, this is historical Islam. This is the scholarly Islam. This is how it always has been from the beginning. And this is what they made of it. And of course, he said there are uh, some uh, crazy people in all faiths, so obviously also in Islam, but that's not a representative uh, and they are not representatives of the, the faith, of course. He said, well, look at the sources yourself and then you can judge and that's what i did and in the end uh, because it's a summary and it's an, a short version i was so convinced uh and maybe we we get back to it later in yeah. more later, uh but i was so convinced of uh, what i found uh, and 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 i felt that i found the truth with a capital t so in the end i even converted to uh, to islam so what started out as an anti islam book ended up me becoming a muslim so See? <laughs> it was not
0: and, You know, what's what's incredible is when I when I came across your story um, a few years back, it was it was almost like too picture perfect. This this kind of like, you know, coming into um, coming into attack or, you know, to to write a book, to to, to write off Islam, essentially, and and, and show and highlight all of the flaws and whatever else to then uh, abandoning the project and actually embracing the faith is is just remarkable. But. I think you know what i wanted to to kind of be able to do over the course of this conversation is is try and understand a bit more about your own kind of mindset throughout this process because it's not it's not something that's done very easily and i think from a from a born muslim perspective often we look at um, islamophobes and we look at those media commentators and politicians who we see to be the most you know ardent of our oppositions um people like yourself previously um and, and, and would not at any point Consider that oh this person might become muslim there's a there 's a glimmer of hope there there could be you know Allah could um change this person 's heart or whatever else but i think it's it 's also an understanding the journey so I know the answer to this question, but I think it's a nice um, it's a nice introduction to your background Where were you on September the eleventh uh, <coughs> two thousand and one, and what were you doing at that point in your life
1: yeah i was it was my first day in college. <laughs> And I was uh, studying comparative religion. Uh, and obviously, like like I said before, I was very anti-Islam because of uh, my background. It's not that the church taught us to hate Muslims or, or something like yeah. that. But when you look into the theology, and not many Christians do that, but I did because I was kind of a nerd <laughs> and I wanted to know what we believed. Because I, when I was 16, 17 years old, I already was very interested in religion and uh, not only Christianity, also other religions, but of course, mainly Christianity because I was a Christian. I was brought up that way and my grandfather was a minister. And so I was very interested in that. And what okay, I did can I, was
0: Can I ask a quick question? Were you religious <laughs> or just interested in religion?
1: No, I was very religious as well. So I was practicing Christian okay. also. So uh, we were brought up like uh, my, my, for example, all the children, me, my brothers, uh, my older brother, younger brother, my sister. We all have Christian names uh, or names from the Bible. Uh, we all uh, are baptized. Uh, we uh, went to a Christian school. Uh, uh, my father uh, read from the Bible before dinner, after dinner. We prayed. We went to church. So we did everything good practicing christians did and of course a lot of people outside of the of inside of the islamic community always think that non-muslims in the west especially when they are not living in the west are christians but of course you know that's not the case Mm. most of them are secular uh, and especially in the netherlands we're one of the most atheistic countries in the world Uh, there was a a research done by a pew research uh, last year or two years ago and i said well it's the most uh, anti-religious country, and not in a negative way, but just n- nobody has something with religion. And people say, no, well, I'm convinced atheists. And it's the first time in 2016, they said it's the first time in history that in the Netherlands there were more Atheists than theists. Mm-hmm. So all other religions combined with Christianity altogether, there were still more atheists in the Netherlands than theists. So, I, I, think I, a, I
0: think we're in I think we're in the same place in the UK right now. If we're not far off, I, I believe it's a very similar dynamic. Um, okay, well, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and,
1: and but but in 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 and maybe it's for a whole of uh, northern West Europe. Right? It's probably in in Denmark and countries like Sweden the same as in our country and your country right. then. Uh, but, uh, of course, uh, I, I, like I told I, we were from a Christian background and we were practicing, so we, are, we were already kind of strange. And I was born in Amsterdam and Amsterdam is very liberal. Uh, so if you are a very practicing Christian in Amsterdam, that's kind of strange. Uh, and, uh, it was, of course, uh, years and years back, I think uh, more than 20 years ago. Getting old, uh, but um, uh, the first day uh, I went to church, uh, I went to college was was September 11, and I already had some negative views because of the theology of that church. And uh, I read some books and um, about uh, Martin Luther, of course, because he was the founder of Protestantism, and he wrote obviously some books that were very negative on Islam and the Prophet, uh, especially. Uh, so when you uh, have got, get that message. When you were younger, it it, it, uh, shapes your mind. And uh, when I went to college, the first day, of course, was September 11, 2001. I saw those planes uh, flying buildings. It was like a terrorist attack, of course. And then we have, in in the Netherlands, we had a guy called Theo van Gogh. Theo van Gogh. He was a famous filmmaker. He he was murdered, right? He was murdered in the streets in 2004 by a guy who called himself a jihadi. And he pointed not only he slit his throat and shot him, but when he was lying on the floor dying, he he put a knife in his chest with a letter for Ayan Hishi Ali as well. So and he said, "You are next." And then we saw attacks in in Madrid and London and and all those other European comes in Beslan, Russia. So it confirmed my idea so what, what, that Islam.
0: What was so so. so- it's one thing to to believe or to think that Islam is bad, but then it's obviously an entirely different thing to to kind of politically join a party and advocate for the abolition of the religion. Um, yeah. I I think the you know the the one thing that that I've always <laughs> wanted to understand is what drives somebody to to the point of obsession almost with a religion that isn't theirs and the abolition of it. Because I disagree, yeah. for example, with other faiths. So I think that there are certain things in other faiths I don't agree with, I don't believe, I think are nonsensical, fantastical, whatever you want to call it. But I, I've never adv- I've never even publicly spoken about that. And I also haven't yeah. like gone to the point of like joining a political party to get rid of the religion. Um, and, and it's not a question you get to ask many people because if I was to ask someone like Gert Wilders, for example, he would just reel off everything that, that he perceives to be wrong with Islam. So what was it for you that took, you know, someone who was studying comparative religion, meaning that you understood religions at a theological level, it wasn't just like this kind of social media brainwashing that took place. It was actually like uh, something that you had had built on. What then mm-hmm. took that and, and got you into politics in, in, <clears throat> in that extreme a way?
1: Yeah, it's said next level, of course. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, if well, there's
0: more to fill in by the way in between then feel free but I, I i just think that's for me that's the no, question i really want to ask you yeah i
1: don't know and it's a it's a very legitimate question uh well of course like i like i told you i was brought up in a certain way and because you have some ideas uh, that were negative on islam uh, you are shaped but there's also the historical aspect and not not many uh, people talk about it. But when you look at, uh, for example, the West, uh, the British Empire, but also the Dutch and the French and uh, a lot of people nowadays say, well, they're imperialistic and uh, they used to uh, did some things all over the world. And and that's true, of course. But it's the same, for example, with the Ottoman Empire. And it was the Islamic Empire, the last caliphate, so to say. And and when you go to Eastern Europe, for example, in countries like uh, Romania, Hungary, Greece, um, those countries, uh, when, when they talk about Islam, they talk about the Ottoman Empire and say, well, they're imperialistic force, they invaded our countries, enslaved us, did all those things to us. So that's in European culture. And to, uh, to show you how deep it is, when you look at, for example, the croissant, the bread, yeah. the meat, you know, the croissant, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's shaped in a half moon and uh, that is because there was uh, there was a battle in 1683 the battle of vienna and the battle of vienna is is in extreme right um, uh, groups and parties that's a very symbolic country when you looked at the, the the terrorist who shot those people who were praying in New Zealand, in Christchurch. When you looked at his rifle, he had written written 16A3. And that's because he was pointing at the gates of Vienna. Mm -hmm. And the gates of Vienna is also a website in the United States, very anti-Islamic website. And, uh, in 1682, there was a spike between uh, the, the Ottoman Empire as, as the Islamic part of the world and the Christian part of the world. There was uh, the European countries, uh, Austria, France and some other countries. And the, the, the Christians, uh, the Europeans won. And to show that they won, they baked breads in a half moon because there was a half moon in the flag of the Ottoman Empire. And they said, well, we break it to show we defeated the Muslims and we break Islam and that's and of course it's not a, a, a like like i'm uh, calling for a boycott of the croissant because i like the sandwich <laughs> but it's just to show and a lot of people don't know that but it survived all those so years so
0: you're, you're, you're um, saying um, that his historically the croissant is a is an islamophobic signal uh, a symbol uh,
1: yeah, It is. And in, when you look at, for example, some uh, weapons in, in the Netherlands, all municipalities have an, have their own weapon. I don't know if that's in the UK. Uh, it's the same. But yet there's a weapon. So uh, like a symbol. And uh, there are several uh, organi- uh, several municipalities here uh, that have, uh, we call it merletten. And that those are ducks, you know, the quacking the, the bird <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, without uh, the feet and um their mouth and it's it's cut off and uh i was looking for some uh symbols and it was for a uh, totally other uh, subject but then i came across this uh, what they did people and, and families rich families who fought in the crusades they were rewarded with a symbol and the symbol was the merlet. so this duck with a, with, with no feet and no mouth uh, they were given to those people and they some of those families became very powerful Uh, uh, through the years and they were the owners so to say of some cities in the netherlands so some cities have those anti-islamic symbols those symbols who were given to uh, uh, families who fought the crusades and uh, who fought in the crusades and fighting in the crusades meant you want to liberate uh, jerusalem from the muslims so uh, it's, it's, it's in, the, in, in, in some uh, symbols in, in the West, especially in the Netherlands and some other countries. Uh, and it's very anti-Islamic. And a lot of people aren't aware of that, but it shapes the culture. And when, uh, when you look at old books, for example, when they talk about Turkish people, they mean Muslims because Turks was a synonym. And it's always negative. So it shapes you, even if you are not anti-Muslim, somehow when people are talking about Islam or Muslims, there's something you think, okay, well, I don't like it. I don't know why, Mm -hmm. but there is something with it. And that's because of hundreds and hundreds of years of anti-Islamic rhetoric in the culture. So it's not that people are willingly always anti-Islam, but there's a feeling because it's cultural that makes you anti-Islam. And that in combination with my upbringing, Because my church was very well aware of those symbols and those history because they said, well, um, we are Christians. We are from the the right church and they are not even Christian. So we want to protect our own uh, belief system. We have the truth and we want to share it with the rest of the world. Otherwise, those people will all go to hell. Uh, Of course, that's that's something normal, uh, so to say, in all uh, bigger uh, religions. But in my denomination of the church, it was very uh, much alive. So the combination of those historic cultural aspects with my upbringing and the terrorist attacks made me as a youngster think, well, I have to protect my country. I have to protect the West. I have to protect Europe. And uh, I have to protect the world against this evil. And this evil was Islam. And so when I was looking, what can I do? And I thought, well, the, the only thing we can do is change legislation and make it possible to ban all this together. And then I was looking for the most anti-Islamic party in the Netherlands. And obviously there was you the Freedom it.
0: Party.
1: he <laughs> just started because it was in 2004, after, just right before uh, Theo van Gogh was slaughtered. Yeah. That's why he gained so much political uh, support from people because he founded it. I thought it was in uh, September or October, and in November, Theo Van Gogh was killed. So everybody said, "Well, jihad had, has come uh, came to Europe." So we have to uh, we have to protect ourselves. And so a lot of people voted for him, and obviously I was one of the people who not only wanted to vote for him, but I always wanted to join him. So that that's how I uh, ended up in the Freedom Party.
0: And this sounds maybe like a stupid question, but in in your the, the, the meetings amongst party members, or you know the the, the people who are actually around Gut wilders is there just constant conversations about how awful Islam is? Like what what you you know what I mean? What's the sentiment there? Because I think a, another thing that I often <laughs> think is that people are kind of. Um, populist in in their outlook so so you know you you can create an agenda that's anti-islamic so take uh tommy robinson in the uk for example katie hopkins another example um individuals who have become almost like career activists slash media people and now they're being marginalized by social media and they're finding it more and more difficult to get out their narrative but for a long time they were being very provocative around islam um, and that's what created that attraction and attention and also you know got them opportunities financially to make money through media appearances and everything else now Mm -hmm. I want to understand if if that is just like okay this is something but then along the way it's like okay there's actually a huge career opportunity here or is it just like that genuine a hardcore belief in how bad Islam is
1: yeah the less because it's not it's not something that people act it's real
0: but but it's so it's like in those meetings you're just saying oh islam is so bad like we just need to get rid of it
1: yeah it was it was so ridiculous if you, if you uh, when i rewind the movie in my head yeah. sometimes we have conversation and and uh, of course when you're in, in politics you have to talk about everything not only about islam but also about for example traffic or uh climate change or whatever defense etc but in the freedom party they always were looking for a link with islam and there there has been one time that's the most ridiculous thing there was a traffic there was too much traffic and there was was this guy from our party said well it has to do with islam as well (laughs) and then he had a theory it didn't make any sense (laughs) but it was was for real so there are really people out there who think well you've got a point She's got a point so it's it's not it's not like uh, like it's a like it's a game or a show for the outside world inside the organization everybody is anti-islamic and of course you have uh, people who are more anti-islamic than other persons but uh, uh, when when you are uh, for example in our organization or my former organization in, the, in freedom party if you want to join they always ask two questions and one of those questions is: what do you think about Islam? And then you have to tell by heart <laughs> what you feel. And if someone is not um, anti enough, they already uh, get uh, sent away wow. because you know, it's, it's not. He's not. He's, he's not uh, of the. In Dutch we say the juiste hout. He's not cut off the the right wood. <laughs> so he has to leave.
0: That's uh, that, that, That's really. I, I mean. That's almost scarier than, than the first option in my head. You know, you know when I said the, the are there two different routes, because again, like from, a, from a, a Muslim perspective, and obviously now you can kind of relate to this, that w- when you have individuals um, like your former self, really, that are that um, just set in their, in their ways and, and belief at how destructive uh, allegedly Islam is, um, it's quite scary because because they will go to no end because they see Islam as such an absolute existential threat in society that they will go to no end to see it um you know like i mean like we're seeing in France right now right like you you you're seeing that very openly and and i would argue that you know the only difference in um in the uk is that the 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 conservative party who are the the um the majority party in the government here are just a bit more kind of uh savvy in the way they do it but there is that kind of un- underlying islamophobia there have been i think over 300 cases of islamophobia within the party that haven't been properly looked at and you know when when the elections were coming up for example they all said all all the all the um uh, people that were running um when the internal elections were happening i believe this was um all, all the people that were running for the party said we will have or we, we i want to launch an, an investigation into islamophobia and then when they actually went ahead and did it um, it it wasn't a substantial uh, investigation. In fact, they they kind of whitewashed it and said we're going to look at all forms of discrimination, um, mm. and and so it's uh, as I said, like it it's the Islamophobia side of stuff is not taken very seriously, and on on, on the flip side, the kind of curbing of um, freedoms across Europe, I guess for for Muslims are, are slowly slowly kind of just getting worse and worse. Um, yeah. So, I guess. Uh, Coming back to your story, because you mentioned uh, Sheikh uh, Abdul Hakim Murad um, and and reaching out to him and kind of that whole um, period, I think that's that's probably quite interesting. Is 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 going from the extreme um, anti-Islam to then you know putting together this kind of book. So uh, unless there's anything significant between kind of leaving politics and writing the book, um, what? What happened during that time at a slightly deeper level with regards to kind of exploring Islam? What kind of reading were you doing? And and you mentioned that there were conflicts between stuff that you had previously held to be true and stuff that you had said, you know, in public as well. What were the kinds of things that you weren't able to kind of reconcile when you were doing a deeper read?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, well. Um first it's important to know that when I was younger, I already had some doubts about certain dogmas of the Christian faith mm-hmm. um but because I was uh, i think sixteen or seventeen, and then you think, well. Uh, obviously, I don't, I don't get it, but there is something. Uh, and of course, uh, I, I'm not a scholar, especially when you're 16, you're not a scholar. So I leave it and, and I'm just being Christian. I do the things I have to do. And one of those things had to do with the Trinity. And of course, in Christianity, uh, people believe that God exists out of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And those are three different things. Uh, uh, persons but they're all together, they're one God yep. and I always yep. thought it was very hard to uh, to get the concept and uh, there was the other thing was about the crucifixion of Christ as, um, as something that had to be done before God could forgive mm-hmm. sins of man uh, and that those are two real uh, hard dogmas in the Christian faith. And uh, of course, when I was younger, I asked a lot of ministers and, and uh, priests, even uh, from from another church, how do I get this? And in the end, there there was no real answer because one of the questions I asked them was, well, if uh, if if believing in Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation, because that's what the Protestant Christian church teaches. Um, how is it possible that, for example, Noah and Abraham and Adam and Moses are in heaven? Because that's—I I think they are in heaven, right? Or are they in hell? And then, of course, the minister said, "No, of course the, those people are not in hell. You cannot talk uh, like that, etc., etc." But I said, "Well, how is it possible? Then? Because they were not even able to believe in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and his resurrection because Jesus Christ wasn't even born yet." It's, it's 2,000 years after it or somewhere. Mm. And then they said, well, okay, um, that, that's, that's not a, a, the right question. But I never got a real answer, not a satisfying answer. And there was one guy from the Catholic Church, not even my own church. He said, well, in the end, religion is a mystery. I said, well, okay, that's it. (laughs) And then I left it and I think, okay, I'm just being, I'm just doing my thing. And, uh, but when I was writing my anti-Islam book and it's, we're talking about uh, more than 20 years later, of course, then those questions popped up again. So I saw the concept of, of Tawhid in Islam. And of course I knew it for my, for my uh, days in college, but it was more, it was an object of study. It was not a question of truth with a capital T. It was not a personal thing. But now it became personal because I was reading it and I my, my, my doubts about my own religion popped up again, those dogmas. And one of those dogmas was, of, of course, the concept of God. And when I saw the concept of God in Islam, I said, well, it looks so much more logical and it appealed to me
0: okay but but, but so, so so this is what I, I need to get to the root of at that moment when you're when you're going through that coming from the background and the context that you have and and also you know actively being a part of of an anti-islam party um how, how do you at that point actually own up to yourself and say actually you know what there's there's some there's some truth here because I, I would be too scared I'd be like, you know what screw that like I'm just going to pretend like it's all good and and the Trinity's yeah. fine. Because I've I've just spent considerable you know energy and effort and time in my life, like dedicating myself towards this cause. So how how, yeah. how how were you that able to be true to yourself at that moment?
1: Well, at that moment, I was still very happy that there was another obstacle, and it was of course the prophet. Be some blessings be upon it.
0: Oh, so that was your thing? Uh, yeah, we we'll get him it on was the prophet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> on my way out.
1: <laughs> so I said, well, okay, they they have a concept of God, and it looks like, uh, and I, I, I told myself, it looks like uh, the 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 concept the, the jews also have uh, there's one god one god one god uh, and that's, uh, of course in in uh, even in the new testament so uh, the uh, like part two of the bible the bible of the christians what separates them from the jews mm-hmm. uh, and, and there we read that jesus christ himself said there is only one god that's one of the it's the most important thing there's one god serve him with all your heart etc cetera, etc cetera. um so i thought okay Maybe I the Christians didn't get it right, and, and there is one God, and that's the Father of Jesus Christ, point and uh, like i said i was very happy that there was this other obstacle the prophethood of uh, of mohammed uh, peace and blessings be upon him so i thought i and i thought well i have to read about his life of course as well because uh, he, he was in my view a, a terrorist guy back then uh, i thought he was very uh, he was uh, going for the fame and for wealth and stuff like that a lot of woman, women women etc so I still had that point so i, I wasn't too worried back then <laughs> uh but uh of course i was going to study his life so i i uh, I, I got some books and one of the books was uh, a book from martin links and was called "Muhammad based on the earliest sources uh, the life of the prophet Muhammad based on the earliest sources uh and um uh, i was reading it and um and i said well okay there are some things about some aspects about his life that aren't that anti-god <laughs> they're almost pro-god uh, and and um, in, in the denomination of my church when you look at the theology again they say uh, certain um, uh, Christian leaders said in the, in the past that he is the antichrist so that was something that was always in my mind well he's the antichrist and that's why all those people act like antichrists by blowing up people blowing up themselves blowing up buildings etc so um, there was, there was, there was uh, the, the starting point and the, 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 the concept of who, uh, how I was looking at uh, his life and, and, and his message. But when I was reading about his message, and of course, not only the Quran, but also what he did, his sunnah, his, his example, uh, I, I started doubting uh, because there was this one story about Hind. And of course, you know the story much better than I do. Uh, and there was this girl and she paid uh, uh, like an assassin to murder his uncle. And his uncle was killed, and they even mutilated him by cutting off his nose, cutting off his ears, and they were wearing it uh, uh, like a necklace. And they were very proud that they uh, humiliated the Muslims, and especially the prophets, family, and uh, stuff like that. So I was reading about it, and then I came to the part that uh, Muhammad, peace and blessing be upon him, came into power because he he entered Mecca and he he conquered his enemies. And then hint was there again. (laughs) So I was reading and I was waiting for okay, when when will she be? uh, When is uh, is her head being cut off and stuff like that, or uh, uh, tortured or whatever? Uh, but, um, it, yeah, it didn't happen. And he, he spoke to her and he said, well, welcome. And there's place for her as well. And in the end, he, she even converted to Islam. And then I thought, well, how is it possible that the Antichrist, <laughs> because that's what, how I saw him, mm-hmm. is yeah. forgiving people who killed family? And he, of course, it was, it was a favorite uncle. So he was very sad about it. So I, I thought it's impossible that <laughs> the Antichrist, who, who does everything that, uh, to, to break people and, and destroy people and, and be violent, etc. is forgiving people, even people who killed family members. So that, that's, that was the point for me that I was getting worried <laughs> uh, because I said, well, I, I, I kind of like this man <laughs> if I'm reading about what he did. And there was this other story about uh, Umar, uh, one of the Sahaba of course uh, the, the first uh, people uh, later Caliph uh, Caliph, of course um, who, who followed him um, and uh, he said to him well, how is it possible that the Romans and the Persians they have so much wealth and you see their leaders they're living like kings and, and you here you and he was talking about the prophet are sleeping on, on the floor and you don't have uh, gold and stuff like that and then the prophet said well we, we give uh, the, the treasures of this world to them and we get the treasures of the next world and to me that was very yeah there was there was like like was a click <laughs> in my head i said well it, it, this person is he's he's aiming for paradise
0: he, he, he wants to be with god but, but when when you're reading all of that and you're uh slowly starting to win yourself around or or the you know the idea of of the prophet is 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 starting to kind of grow on you and and you're you know like you said you think this guy seems to kind of have have uh, things the right way um I'm, i'm trying to understand what your former self was 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 internally kind of thinking feeling because the the thing is it's the conflict right this is everything you've just said is is at complete odds with everything you were propagating for the last god knows how many years before that and everything you believed from the age of about 16 uh, you know as you said so what happened in your own head when when this was all going on yeah
1: of course uh, yeah I, I was worried <laughs> like you said before um but uh, there were also those, uh, and in the end, I think maybe he is—he is a special person. We have this one, eh? we have this concept of one God. He, uh, him be, being a, a special person, maybe a prophet—I don't know—but that's it. But there were still those uh, aspects of terrorism, uh, anti-Semitic uh, rhetoric, uh, anti-women, anti etc. cetera—all ideas you hear all the time from anti-Islamic. Uh, people, uh, whether they are politicians or people from the media or whatever, uh, those ideas I still had because I saw his life, I could read it. And of course, there was this concept of God. And I said, well, okay, that's beautiful. But still, there's something in this message that's totally wrong for the world and for people. So I picked those uh, topics and I just started to read about it. Why are they so anti-Jew, anti-women, anti-whatever? And then I saw, well, there are not (laughs) anti-Jew, anti-women. There's a context in and uh, every revelation had a context. And it's it's so it was much more complex than I thought. And after I finished all those topics, all those uh, questionable things back then, I was talking about questionable things. um, Then then I was really worried because I said to myself, well, I think that this message is is something else. It's, It's not the thing I always propagated and then i asked a, a friend of mine who is a minister a christian minister still uh and i asked him what can i do now <laughs> because there's a problem here i am starting to like this 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 Muhammad figure and there is this concept of god that looks much more logical than we have our own concept of god and all those uh things i was i was questioning and pointing to the muslims so to say because they they're terrorists etc cetera, etc cetera. they have context and and it it looks really normal when i'm reading it and then he said well you have to compare his uh, his his life to that of and his message with uh, prophets from the old testament so that's what i did i compared him to moses to musa and because they were both lawgivers eh, they came both came with a law they were both uh, creating a community They're uh, starting something new and they were both in a very hostile environment. People wanted to kill them and they were fighting against them. So I thought, well, that's that's honest. uh, We can make an honest comparison between those two people. And that's what I did. And then, of course, with other people like Joshua, that's the guy who followed uh, Moses after he died. Mm -hmm. And when I and there was one example because uh, we are not uh, too much uh, uh, time left, but it was this one point. It was about war, and of course, war is not nice. But I was starting to make comparison between the rules of war in judeo-christian traditions and in Islam and when you look at the bible and there's uh, there's a passage when they are uh, teaching how to wage war on your enemies and they say well kill of course the soldiers and that's nice not nice again but of course it's war so kill the soldiers but also kill the women kill the children even kill uh the babies and you have to cut all the trees kill all the animals and even burn the grass so what what you do is you wipe out an entire uh, uh, tribe or, or country or whatever, well, who's your enemy, you wipe them all out. And then I compared it to the way uh, in Islam you have to wage war. And again, it's not nice to wage war, but if, the, if you are in war, yeah. uh, then of course you are fighting because you want to protect yourself. But then I saw, well, you cannot kill monks or you cannot, uh, leave, cannot kill uh, babies and you, uh, you cannot even cut a tree. And I said, "Oh, <laughs> that's something else." Because I said it, it looks like the, the the way of waging war in Islam is more humane, <laughs> and it's strange because we're talking about war, of course. But when you compare it to the the the, the context and then the, the teaching in the Bible, it it looks much more humane. So even at that point, and it was there was my last scapegoat, so to say, to say, okay, we'll blame it on that. <laughs> uh, that 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 uh, that that didn't work as well. So. Then I said, okay, he is a prophet. We have this concept of God. I can answer the questions I had for myself and, and the things I mentioned in Parliament. Now what do I have to do? And then I thought, well, I, I just stop. That's it. And I told my wife and she said, yeah, I already saw some things change because I started with a book called Endgame. And it's a Dutch book about uh, a coming war between Muslims and non-Muslims in Europe. Uh, in the end uh, almost get killed or expelled or whatever and there was this book i ended up my research with and it's called islam the misunderstood religion so she said i already saw things changing on the table <laughs> at the table um so I, that's what <laughs> um can,
0: can i just ask at this point so your you mentioned obviously your wife there what was it like for your family because <laughs> For, for, for anyone um, changing religion and, and i've I've met and spoken to so many different people who have reverted to the religion of Islam and they've spoken about how interesting um, an experience it's been talking to their parents dealing with their parents and everything else you had not just your your parents but you know your your former work colleagues essentially I can imagine a large part of your life was was people who shared your former um, uh, hatred for Islam. So no. so did, did that ever also... Because I, I think what's fascinating, I, I know we've only been speaking for about 40 minutes here, but but I think what's fascinating about you as an individual is that you seem to be very guided by what you perceive to be truth, whatever that is, and, and whatever the cost of that is as well, which is genuinely a remarkable um, um, attitude to have. And, and and an attribute I think that people are always aspiring towards because the difficulty in life always is that you know it it it's unfortunately it's like there's the the right thing to do or the easy thing to do is is usually how it is um, you know we come across situations constantly like that and it seems like you've had you've been put in a position where you know you you could have very easily just played ignorant played dumb and just like almost disregarded it for for the. For everything, for everything that you had going on, and 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 everything you had built up, um. But how how was that socially and and family and everything else politically even as well? I can't imagine that was an easy journey.
1: No, no, of of, of course, but uh, like 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 I said, uh, the 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 night I I uh, finished my research, uh, the, all those books at the table, I I put the 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 books back on the shelf and it's uh, in, yeah, behind me. And I was putting all those books back, and then some books fell out of the fr- fell off the shelf. And uh one of those books w- was the Quran. And I picked it up, and one of the verses, my I uh, was on the page, what is uh, what I saw was uh first on the Quran uh, twenty-two uh, forty-six and it says uh, it's not the eyes that are blind, but the hearts. And I thought and then I thought to myself, Well, that's it, because that's what it is, because I can see it i can read it i know it but i still don't want to be a muslim mm. i hate the the idea of me becoming a muslim
0: just to be clear you're telling me you were doing all this research that the quran literally fell out and was the page open or just you were on that page no
1: i was it fell out of the closet yeah uh, I, I, from shelf there were a lot of books falling out because <laughs> it was the, 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 too, the too many books on
0: the shelf.
1: <laughs> books, yeah. So there fell a lot, and one of the books was the Quran, and I picked the Quran up and I put it on a table. But then I saw what page, and that was a coincidence, so to yeah. say. So and then I saw this verse, and then I thought to myself, yeah, that's 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 something that it, it counts for me because I'm I'm reading all this stuff and I'm seeing it and I know it. But I don't want it. It was like like my heart was blocked. And then I said to myself, well, okay, do a a little dua, so to say, a a free prayer. And then I said to myself, well, God, whatever God you are and what religion is the best religion, guide me, show me the truth. And that's the the path I'm going to follow. And then I uh, went to sleep. And the next morning, I felt I felt by myself, and I didn't hear any voices or something, but I felt to myself, well, I, I think I'm just a Muslim. So I, I told my wife, I'm taking Shahada, I'm becoming a Muslim. And then she she said, okay, it's kind of strange, but <laughs> if that's what makes you happy, uh, that's okay. So we so was very supportive. And like I said, she saw things change. So it wasn't uh, overnight. Mm. Um, and she said, "Well, I already thought you were going that direction." <laughs> and she uh, she didn't. Uh, she never liked the fact that I was in the Freedom Party. So she said, "Well, I'm not talking about politics with you, but I love you for who you are. That's it." So when I uh, was changing my view she she was very happy with the fact that i was changing my anti-islam view yeah. but of course she's a christian and she's still a christian uh uh so this is, was another level again <laughs> but then when i told her i'm going to convert she said okay I, i'm supportive and i will uh, back you etc cetera, etc cetera. so that was very sweet of her but i have to had to tell my wife and that's the your question i had to tell my mother and i had to tell my grandfather and my work and it's all the, the, the eh? all the people out, out, out there. Um, and when I told my mother, she cried, because she's Christian as well. She said, well, I'm not crying for the fact that you became a Muslim, but you, because you left Christianity. And of course, like, uh, like, like we believe, we believe there is a path to heaven and there's a path to hell. And of course she says, well, you, you left the right path. So that was very uh, sad to see your mother cry because of a decision you make. Um, but in the end she she told me now she's uh, kind of used to it, so she said well i I don't like the fact that you became a Muslim, but I have to say that you are sweeter as a Muslim than you are as a christian <laughs> <laughs> there is something there was something going on that was uh, that was not too negative uh but I had to tell my grandfather, and that was the hardest part of me because like I told in the beginning, we were from a very uh, traditional family. Yeah. My, fa- my father died years and years ago. So my f- my grandfather was like the head of the family. I and mean, he was her father of my mother. Uh, and he also was active in church and stuff like that. And he was very Christian. But he was dying, really dying. He was lying on his deathbed in his own home. So all my aunts and they were always taking care of him. But then uh, I had to visit him and tell him on his deathbed, I left Christianity. So it was kind of a hard message, of course. And I didn't want to do it. So I asked my mother, please come with me. So we have, uh, because he's your father. So maybe that's, it's it's less hard mm. when, I, when I tell him. And when I told him, <clears throat> he shut his eyes. And then my mother said, well, maybe you killed him. <laughs> yes. I said, oh, yay, what, what did we do? Uh, but I said, no, we didn't kill him. And then he opened up his eyes again and uh, he said to me, well,
0: at least you didn't become a Catholic. <laughs> 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 <And> to, <laughs> that's, the, that's literally <laughs> the most Protestant answer you could ever have to that. Yeah. And, and
1: to understand uh, this answer, it's, and I'll tell the short version, uh, uh, my denomination of the church was very Protestant, very anti-papish, anti, anti um, uh, papish, so to say. We were very anti-Catholic. And not that we hated Catholics, because I had Catholic friends, and of course, uh, but when you look at the history, our denomination was very anti, because in in 1588, there was a a fight between uh, the north of the Netherlands and the south uh, with the Spanish, because the Spanish Empire, we were a colony of Spain back then. And when you hear our uh, anthem, our national anthem, we still sing, we give glory to the king of Spain. It's still in our anthem. And that's because we were a colony of Spain. And uh, the Spanish uh, king said, "Well, they were Catholic, of course. The, those Protestants, and they were they were new, because in 1517 you eh, got the Protestant Church, and it was 1588, so let's say 67 years after the foundation, uh, the founding of the Protestant Church." But uh, William of Orange, our uh, the the founder of the country, so to say, he uh, he he lived near the king and he lived in spain and after he left spain he went to holland and he was uh, the king in the netherlands he was the, the ruling guy but uh the, the spanish king said well we have to kill all those protestants don't you think because they're rebels and they're 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 against our religion and then he didn't say anything and uh, it's it's uh, his nickname is william the silent and and they said, why, why didn't he say it? And a lot of people back then said, well, he didn't hear what you said, so leave it. But he, he, he wrote, yeah, I heard it, but I didn't want to say anything because I became a Protestant myself. So I couldn't say, let's kill all those people. So I was killing my own. Kind so to say mm-hmm. so he he said he didn't say anything but in the end they, they got into a fight and the, the Spanish Empire fight against William of orange and William of Orange said well we have to do something otherwise we all get slaughtered by the Spanish because they were much more powerful and then he said, well I have to find some some people who, who can help us and then he wrote to to the Ottoman Empire to the Muslims and he said well Uh, Can you help us with money or weapons or whatever? And the sultan says, "Why? Well, why should we do that?" And he said, "Well, we are fighting the Spanish, and we know you don't like the Spanish as well. And we are in a a geographic uh, position that's very interesting for you guys when it comes to uh, uh, money, stuff like that." And he said, "Okay, we help you." And they got, we got weapons and money from the Ottoman Empire, and then they start fighting. And in the end, the Netherlands uh, got uh, independent. So the Netherlands got independent with the help of the Ottoman Empire. And every year, there's still this celebration in the seventh or eighth city of the Netherlands called Leiden. And it's called Leids on Set. It means the liberation of Leiden. And what they do, they wear uh, half moons on their shirts. And uh, there are even flags, Turkish flags. And they say, I'd rather be Turkish than Papish. And when you translate it to the the english or dutch nowadays you say i'd rather be a muslim than a catholic so when my father my grandfather heard me saying i became a muslim he said well at least you didn't become <laughs> a <Catholic." laughs> that was funny and it was his way of saying you're still welcome so i was very pleased with his that's answer
0: that's <laughs> beautiful you know i'm i'm aware as you've been talking it's just been getting darker and darker around you so i i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm aware that maghrib is, is setting in so i i think to be honest we we could we could talk for ages and and i've I've been fascinated by your 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 own personal story but also just your ability to recall history and 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 talk about the historical context of um Islam in the Netherlands and everything else but i I think just to kind of um I'm trying to think what 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 the okay so so for me as I said, genuinely, and if you want to do a part two, I'm fully down and we can do this again. And I I know you're busy, so it might not be possible, but (laughs) I think just one final thing, you've stepped away from politics and I think I remember you saying that you wouldn't want to re-engage in politics again. That's not for you anymore. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I want to understand what you believe to be the kind of um, the, the, the solution or the way forward um, for Islam in Europe, and 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 by that I don't mean from like a dawah perspective and bringing people to the faith. I mean just pretty much survival right now because we've mentioned France earlier. Um, the climate and the attitude towards Muslims in in most European countries is is pretty unsavory. Um, you're someone that's been on on you know that that end of the spectrum um, better than anybody else. So so now that you're now that you are a Muslim. Um, how do you see the, the potential for Islam and Muslims? And I don't think it's just about surviving. I think it's about thriving as well. Um, because for me, I think a big part of that is actually engaging in the political system, um, but doing it, you know, in our own way, on our terms, with our principles, which is also difficult. And we can, you know, we could have had a whole conversation about politics and Islam and compatibility. But what do you think the future is? And I guess also, you know, you're somebody that has, the reason why you got into politics because you saw it as your kind of national duty to to, to pr- preserve Christianity from from Islam and whatever else. But I, I assume that that given your nature and your kind of inclination towards truth and everything you've been talking about, you would still want to be able to serve uh, now your people, which is the Muslim community. And especially when it comes to kind of all of this stuff, you've you've got a very clear experience um, in politics. How do you see the Muslim community thriving in in Europe, moving forward?
1: Yeah, yeah it's a good question. <laughs> it's not an easy and one. I, I don't think there's a, there's an easy answer. Um, but uh, well, I think the context in, for example, UK is very different from uh, the Netherlands because uh, you you have scholars. Uh, of course, we have some scholars, but uh, it's it's of a different. Uh, because it's very different, because in in the uh, in, in UK, those uh, scholars speak English as well. And what we have is most of the scholars, we have some really good scholars, but they don't speak Dutch. And uh,
0: people who do speak Sorry, Dutch... So what language are, do they speak?
1: Uh, most of them speak uh, or Arabic. From uh, They're from Morocco or Turkey, most of
0: the people. Sorry, so are, are, do they speak English or just Arabic?
1: They, they do speak English and they do speak a little bit Dutch, but when you want to engage in politics, yeah. you have to be fluently in your language, of course, because uh, it's, it's all about words, it's all subtleties, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, you have to be fluent. And now, uh, so I think the next generations, of course, there are some uh, youngsters who are, will be scholars in the future as well. So that's that's something that's very important, I think. So that's something we have to do and, and uh, encourage those people and make sure that they get into the right positions and get all the support. But there's also the lobby part in the Netherlands. We don't have an Islamic lobby organization, so I'm starting to uh, found something. Uh, with with, uh, with a small group and make sure that we have a lobby organization in the Netherlands. Um, uh, so that, that's very important. But also what's what's very important is that we show people true Islam. And it's very hard because a lot of uh, non-Muslims, um, and I told this before, don't read the Quran or read the Hadith, of course, but they read you as a Muslim. So when they see Muslims acting strange or doing bad things, and they hear on the news and the media, all those negative uh, shit, so to say, uh, then of course their point of view will be very uh, uh, anxious. They will be afraid and they think, oh, all Muslims are crazy. I see Muslims in the street spitting on the floor, calling each other names, doing bad stuff. I see terrorist attacks on television. Probably that's Islam. I don't want Islam here. So what we have to do, and, and it's easier for me because I look like most of them, like a white male uh european guy uh, uh when i speak to them it's easier for them to listen to me because and that's how it's it's a sociological truth uh, people who look like whether they are black or white or yellow or whatever it's easier to uh, to relate to yeah uh, so what i'm doing now is that we we we've are starting all those uh, initiatives uh, to go to schools to make sure that youngsters, especially the next generation, see Muslims not as something evil or scary or whatever, but just as their fellow classmate or their neighbor or whatever. So so it's, it's becoming normal. And also what's very important for us, and uh, that's, that's, that's maybe a little bit sensitive, but when you look at the political spectrum, uh, everybody focuses on right wing. They say well right wing is anti-islam and that's true most of them not everybody of course but a lot of them uh, and but it's always about nationality and ethnicity but when you look at the left side and that's something that a lot of people don't talk about you see it's about the moral agenda and that's maybe even more dangerous because it's about, uh, when, especially in the Netherlands, we're a very liberal country. And when it comes to prostitution or alcohol or drugs or traditional family values or all those topics, euthanasia, et, et cetera, the left wing says, well, you, we love you, of course, because you are multicultural. But we don't love <laughs> the, the things you, you'd say. The, the, so the you have to that... adopt, you have to adopt the secular liberal agenda yeah. to be part of the uh, to be fully accepted. Uh, on one side, there's the left side, and on the the right side, you have to be like almost white, or you have to be one have to have one nationality. So you're stuck in between. So there is no so the reason. Real-
0: the reason I've got a huge <laughs> smile on my face as you're talking is because I've had this conversation so many times behind closed doors, looking at um, <laughs> left wing politics and um, essentially like you know in the UK we have the Labour Party who who are are seen as a kind of better option of the two let's say between the Labour and Conservatives in the UK but the, the kind of if you if you keep taking the left agenda as far left as possible it's essentially the abolition of religion um, yeah, b- because li- li- uh, liberal values are not compatible with Islam fundamentally um, yeah. it, I, I, at their at their most pure form that the two are at odds with each other and and Again, this is why I was saying, you know, if we were to get into politics as a conversation, that's a whole separate podcast because there's so much (laughs) to discuss there. But I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, it's something that I think there's a convenient alliance between, for example, Muslim communities and uh, more left-leaning political organizations in in the UK and in Europe generally. But uh, as you rightly pointed out, there, there needs to be a very clear understanding that our values are only aligned to a certain extent, um, yeah. and 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 when you talk about the family unit, for example, the Conservative Party in the UK are more about the kind of traditional family unit than than uh, the Labour Party. But b- because of the Islamophobia, I mean, it's this is why I say you know politics is is crazy. I'm I'm glad, by the way, to hear that you're not completely because I think it was a Q and A Q&A session, or it might have been I can't remember what it was that I watched of you speaking, and you you said that you were going to be kind of or you weren't going to get involved in you weren't going to get involved in politics again. Um, so I'm glad to hear that you are still involving yourself in, in some way, shape or form, because like you said, you 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 look like them, so to speak. Um, you, you don't look Muslim in that sense. And, and I think it, it, you need to be able to obviously leverage that to the best of your ability um, and, and to win people around and make them understand and, and whatever else. There's a lot that you said in the last five minutes that I want to unpack. But as I said, I, I, I want to be true to my word. We've just come up to to just over an hour now. Um, thank you very much. As I said, I you know I appreciate you're incredibly busy, and uh, we it's now Maghrib time for you already. So um, as soon as we we end this, you can go off and, and pray and eat and everything else. But again, thank you for for your sharing your personal story and your own insight as well into everything that we've discussed. Really, really appreciate it. Um, and, and inshallah, we can do this again soon
1: yeah thank you very much uh and uh, i like the the conversation and we can certainly do a part two and maybe we can talk about politics then
0: awesome thank you